With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. This is the Jets All The Way podcast. Jets have had a few injuries, and we haven't had injuries per se, but we've been out for a bit too, but we are back. The Jets All The Way podcast. I am Jeff Pichetti of EliteSportsNewYork.com, alongside Editor-in-Chief Robbie Sabo, talking all things New York Jets. We have plenty to talk about. The Jets returning from their bye week 0-3, looking to get their first win, but we'll talk about that 0-3, see if it's the common 0-3, or a totally different 0-3. Find out coming up here on the Jets All The Way podcast. I'm Jeff. He's Rob. Rob, how you feeling? Dude, that was uh, Foxborough. Foxborough was quite enjoyable. It's quite the stadium. Uh, went over to Gillette last week uh, for the Jets' 30-14 loss to Patriots. Results notwithstanding, it's a nice stadium. Bit of a maze, I'll give them that. There was, uh, was a bit of a maze to get to the... Uh, press box and uh there's only one way in or out of the stadium but you know what i like about gillette it's one of those stadiums where you can tell where you can actually tell you're at a different stadium if that makes any sense it's unique to the project like you can there's landmarks and stuff like that they have a nice tower over there they have a nice scoreboard they have, it's, it's nice it's nice and full over there all the time well i'm sure winning helps a lot with that but so, yeah, I like Gillette. It's one of the unique stadiums. The best stadium I've been to personally is uh, Lincoln Financial Field over in Philadelphia. But I've been to four of them so far and have enjoyed most of them. I've been to Gillette, MetLife, obviously, FedEx, and Link. So uh, I, I've enjoyed all of them, and Gillette was obviously no exception. Can you tell it's Gillette when you see the camera guys recording the Jets bench? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, what, what do you think I meant by uh, saying that you know what stadium you're in. I mean, every stadium has their unique thing. I mean, remember the Houston Astros over in Minimate? They used to have that hill in center field. Boston yeah. has the Green Monster. Uh, doubt that the, the Cowboys have the scoreboard, and they used to have the hole in the roof. Patriots, of course, have the cameraman. You betcha. Yep, and the mics in the locker room and all that stuff. <laughs> Obviously, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but yeah. It's good fodder. Wouldn't want, wouldn't want to get the uh, death stare from Belichick. But that, of course, was the Jets' last game, 30-14 to 14 against the New England Patriots. 105 yards of total offense from the Jets in that game. And it dropped them to 0-3, one of several, quite a few winless teams in the NFL, I noticed right now. And this, this league is quite interesting in the sense, this season anyway, that it feels like the top two are... The Patriots and the Chiefs, they're 1-1A and, and totally interchangeable. And then there's a Grand Canyon-sized gap, and then you have maybe New Orleans and the Cowboys, perhaps. But anyway, the Jets 0-3 right now. Rob, is there a cause for – is this 0-3 cause for panic, concern, or whatnot? Is this, a, is this your typical – 
this team is terrible 0-3, or is it a different 0-3? What are your thoughts? Um, I think this team is terrible 0-3. Now, it's not for the reasons you'd think, though. Mm-hmm. It's not for blaming Adam Gase. It's not for the injuries. I, I just think this they can't win in the trenches. Their personnel is not good enough mm-hmm. to be a good team. But I do think uh, they could still finish 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. Because the injuries have devastated them to that point. When I say terrible 0 and 3, I do mean it's still terrible. But when you think about it, in week one, they, they should have beat the Bills. And this is a good Bills team that hung with the Patriots. So, oh, oh God. It's, ter- it's terrible, but uh, I don't know. It's so impossible to gauge, to be honest. Like, I'll put it this way about the Jets' current status at 0 and 3. Yes, it's bad. And yes, they're probably not the best team right now, obviously. They're all, they are 0 and 3. For many, many reasons. But I do think that there is a gap between the Jets and, say, the Dolphins or Redskins. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, uh, wholeheartedly. I completely agree. Yeah, because there's there's bad and then there's whatever Miami and Washington has done this year. That's just been ugly down there. So, And for the Jets, I think you can put a bit of a small asterisk next to them. You know, losing Sam Darnold at this point and whatnot. And that's, that is not the reason they've been losing so much. Darnold or no Darnold, this stretch was going to be tough. We talked about it all offseason. You know, the two Patriot games, the two NFC East opponents that are coming up, Buffalo and Cleveland were obviously on the rise. So this stretch was not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. But it's like you said, I think both of us, uh, by the way, we'll get to, actually, no, we'll get to it later. But it's like you said, the personnel has not, well, the battle in the trenches has not worked out well. Uh, Small sample size, I don't think the Ryan Khalil experiment has worked out at all so far interestingly he's he's not as bad as people think they're they're running the ball when you notice when you're when they're having success running the ball it's always up the middle it's always behind khalil osemily and winters that that split zone with Le'Veon bell when all five linemen stand up and try to pass protect that's when everything goes chaotic and everything's haywire um khalil hasn't been good but i don't think uh, it's been a complete disaster yet Oh, it's obviously a team effort. You win as a team and you lose as a team, obviously. So it's not entirely on him. And also, by the way, Shell got Shell did not have a good game over in New England. You agree with that one, right? Shell and Beecham have been just dreadful. Beecham, Beecham at several points of uh, Beecham at several points of the Cleveland game. I said they basically had to bench. They had to take him out of the game for his own sake. There were just too many holding penalties, too many false starts. And, you know, that was de- that was de- it was getting tough to watch, especially for a guy who's, uh, you know, a great person on and off the field in Kelvin Beecham. He was obviously the Jets uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award nominee last season. So, you know, it was tough to see him struggle. So that is the Jets offense for you in a nutshell right there. And, you know, I got to say in the New England game defense, I know they gave up three touchdowns in their first three possessions. But after that. Not that bad. I mean, there were times they buckled down after that. They held New England to field goals. Let's face it, they probably weren't winning the Patriot game either way. But at the end of the day, you know, you had to applaud what they did. They didn't quit. They didn't quit. Uh, Jamal Adams continues to be a strong leader in this own three team. I think he, no one's hurting more than him right now in terms of uh, in terms of all this losing. He's he's not accustomed to this. And every time it seems like he's singing the same beats over and over. But these are good beats to sing in a, in a sense. They're bittersweet, obviously, because of the L's. But, you know, he keeps saying how he's vowing 
to uh, find out what's wrong and find and fix these issues. And he said he was going to do some reflecting during the bye week as well. And one thing I'm pr- I'm somewhat shocked at through these first three weeks so far, they did it against Buffalo. Didn't really see it too much against Cleveland and New England. The Greg Williams blitzes seem to die down. You're the film expert around here. Did you did you see that? Well, their, their coverage has been excellent since Tremaine Johnson got booted off the field. Right. Their coverage has been excellent. It's their pass rush that just can't get to the quarterback. It's been like this for a decade and a half. Um, yeah, the blitzes die down because the NFL as a whole, the blitzing is dying down because everything is three-stepping out really quick, really quick design stuff. So I think Greg Williams is in a tough spot where he knows he blitzes. He's going to leave his suspect corners at risk. Mm-hmm. And if he blitzes, he's just going to waste guys anyway because the the offense is getting it off so quickly regardless. Uh, what he really needs is just someone to step up to get to the quarterback. He needs a Basham or Henry Anderson who's playing out of position. He's not an edge guy. Or Le- Leonard Williams to step up. And none of them have been – Quinnen Williams too. Quinnen Williams will play this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs those guys to step up and get to the quarterback. Uh, I have noticed – a downtick in the blitzing, but I think it's, I think it's mainly just the way the league is rolling. To be honest, I will say on a defensive related note, you mentioned that uh, Basham kind of step a bit. Some who I think has stepped up in the linebacking court, for example, I think Neville Hewitt has done a decent job so far. He's uh, risen to the occasion of injuries for the uh, second season in a row, and I think he's done a great job so far. And now the Jets go into a situation against the Philadelphia Eagles, the, a team that they come out, they come off their bye. And b- by the way, the, the feel, the unanimous feeling, the new unanimous positive feeling in the uh, Jets visiting locker room after the New England game was that the bye came at an absolutely perfect time for them. And I feel like you and I talked about it all offseason, Rob, how we were so shocked that the Jets uh, bye week came in week four. I think we can all agree with the Jets that this buy came at the perfect time for them because they were basically Murphy's team out there in the sense that everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong for them. And this was just a good opportunity for them to, <coughs> excuse me, to get off their feet. Remember they didn't practice all week, which I thought was somewhat curious, but at the same time, they got off their feet as Jamal Lamb said, they got a chance to reflect and I'm looking forward to see how this pays off in the future over these final 13 games. Yeah, it's isn't it funny how it works out? And right. the buy is the perfect time. Um, not practicing all week, it just goes to the narrative. This is their real opening weekend, mm-hmm. you know. And especially the narrative if Darnold plays. If Darnold doesn't play, forget about it. It's not their opening weekend. The following weekend will be their opening weekend. But the Philadelphia Eagles are interesting in this. They are the antithesis of the Jets. They dominate the trenches. They have a great offensive line. They pass rush with like five or six guys coming at you. So to to get that first victory, I will say this. The one good matchup is their secondary is hurting, right? Yes. The Eagles secondary is not, not good. They are dead last against the pass. So that is one shining example. As long as the pass protection could hold up at least somewhat and Darnold plays, they could do some damage through the air. The Eagles actually made a trade recently, trading safety, uh, Jonathan Cyprian for Duke Riley, linebacker from the Atlanta Falcons. So that will be something to keep an eye on. And Philadelphia is an interesting case. You know, they're in the NFC East right now, have, have always been really. Uh, two and two right now, tied with the New York Giants for second place. One game, of course, behind the aforementioned Cowboys, whom the Jets will 
play at home next Sunday, October 13th. Now, it's interesting in the sense that I thought there was no way they were – I thought – I I knew, I guess, that there was no way that they were going to lose that Green Bay Packer game. One thing you could say about Doug Peterson's Eagles is that when they are granted an opportunity to win, they take it and they run with it. I, I'm reminded, for example, of that 2017 visit to the New York Giants, the first game that Nick Foles had to start when Carson Wentz went down. It was a tough game, but the Eagles took it and run with it, used that momentum to go win the Super Bowl. Last season, all seemed lost for them in December, but they picked up a couple wins. I think there was a number, another win in there over the Los Angeles Rams, if I'm not mistaken. They took it, ran with it, and went. And then they had a road win, primetime game against the Green Bay Packers, coming off some tough losses to the Atlanta Falcons and the Detroit Lions. They go into Green Bay on Thursday night. They you know, make Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable. Rodgers still gets some good plays in, but eventually they recover to secure the 34-27 victory. So I think you could say so much about what Doug Peterson has done with that team, and I'm eager to see what sort of Eagles team is awaiting them in the city of brotherly love on Sunday afternoon. Should be a good one. Jets-Eagles, that game is 1 o'clock p.m. Now, Rob, you and I, I think we both had some interesting uh, – Long-term thoughts this week, long-form, really, thoughts this week over at ESNY. I wrote after the New England game that, you know, kind of agreeing with you in the sense that uh, this 8-8 eight and eight could be their ceiling. They could really take a few lessons from the 99 squad. And you mentioned how this criticism of Adam Gase has kind of gotten out of hand in a way and how it's, like, not entirely his fault. I think there's a way to merge these two thoughts in the sense that Adam Gase's early legacy with this squad could be replicating what that 1999 team did. In case you don't remember, it was 20 years ago, and I am dating myself here. I was only seven years old at the time, but still remember that season. Um, the 99th team, they lost Vinny Testaverde, and they lost Leon Johnson as well. Started off 0-3, wound up 8-8 eight eight with the services of a third-string quarterback in Ray Lucas. Plenty of other guys stepped up in the process, too. Victor Green was a guy who down there. Aaron Glenn, they all did a great job in the secondary to lead them back up on track. And they really dominated the second-half portion of the schedule, going 6-2 and two over the final eight games. A, a revenge win over the New England Patriots in there. Rob, you, what sort of lessons do you think they could take from that team? And what can Adam Gase do to, you know— Draw, draw inspiration from that squad and, you know, cement an early legacy. Uh, play the most deserving guys. Mm. You know, for year after year, the O-line name, the starter, has been cemented. There hasn't been any competition. Play the most deserving guys. And he said it on the conference call Monday that he's looking to fix that up front and he will play a direct quote, he will play the five most deserving guys. You know, Bill Parcells, Ray Lucas, he was the most deserving guy. He wasn't the biggest name. Yeah. Uh, people didn't even view him as a quarterback, but he played the hardest working, most deserving guys. And that's how you, you kickstart a, a program. And that's a kickstart culture. Um, you know, you really find out who the right individuals are in situations like this. You really do. I guess that's the the positive and the parallel that I see from 99, I think. And, and I think at the same time, you know, one of the good things you could say about this, this Jets squad, it's almost a bit of a mulligan year in a way because the Jets are, you know, 
still in the midst of a purge of all the McCagnan guys. And there's the guys who do, who were on those teams who were chosen by the former general manager. They're basically playing for their jobs at this point. They're basically have a chance to prove why they belong here, why they deserve to go, why they deserve to be on board for the potential redemption of the Jets. Now they're sitting at zero and three right now. They very well could be playing out the rest of the stretch, and we could be looking at a similar situation to last season, where you know a bunch of "quote unquote" lame duck guys were trying to prove why they were, you know, why they deserve to be on board for the long run. And it's interesting you say that <clears throat> this week is could be the Jets' new opening day, if only for the return of Darnold. I think the next week after could be the uh, true opening day, because remember, Brandon Copeland returns at linebacker, as does tight end Chris Herndon, each of them serving four game suspensions. So that's interesting. And you look, you, you look at the guys – that have to uh, play for their jobs out there. It's going to be real interesting to see what they do and what happens over these next few weeks. One thing that must happen, you cannot quit. And that's, again, is the legacy that Gase must cement early on. He cannot take any nonsense from these teams out there. I thought they did kind of band together late in that New England game. You know, the game never really seemed truly over until there were triple zeros on the clock, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I thought that was best personified by Jamal Adams' pick six, a nice little welcome to the NFL present for Jarrett Stidham. And once again, to go a little bit off topic, uh, to go a little astray, it was so great. Uh, Jamal's response when he was asked about that pick six was so great. He basically said that he literally said, I don't care about that. I just want to win. So I thought that was great and shows where his heart is, where his head is right now. And I thought that the, the, the I thought that quote unquote controversy. I use that term very lightly a few weeks ago, where it was you know revealed that the breaking news that he unfollowed the Jets on Instagram. I thought that was very overblown. I I never see those as big news stories or anything. Sometimes those guys don't even. You know, they don't even run their own accounts. Who knows what even happened there? So I thought that was overblown. But it's good to see that Jamal is on board. He continues to be on board. And if there's anyone you want to see succeed on this Jets team, I think it's him. So I'm really looking forward to see how he approaches these final 13, beginning with Sunday afternoon. I I think Jamal is the best safety in the league. I love him. But I also think Jamal respects the person that tries to hold him accountable. Mm. You know, if the person just is a yes man and oh, whatever you do is right, Jamal, you're the man, Jamal. I don't think he would respect that person. I think that's the type of person he is. That makes so sense. I think he would I think he would expect other people to try to hold him accountable. I think that's what so, makes him so perfect it, for him. In that sense, I do think the social media was just a mistake. These young guys, they get so attached to the social media and, and react on a spur of the moment and yeah. try to distance themselves from oh, a losing yeah. situation can't give him a mulligan you can't don't distance yourself uh the wfan thing where he stopped the spot with maggie and bart i don't know what led to that yeah but you know i give him a mulligan for all of it but at the same time i do have one eyebrow raised both new york squads have had issues with the station of course with uh of course pat Shermer canceling his weekly spot with mike francesa as well that one was a bit more direct but uh you know it, it is in a sense look i'll put it this way if that is the biggest problem the Jets are having with their star defender, I think they would take that seven days a week and twice on Sunday, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, Not- nothing, it's nothing to lose your mind over. 
No, of course not. Not not at all. But at the same time, you know, you, you give him a pass and you see how he responds and you see what happens. Which is why, once again, we we spoke about during the offseason how it was so great that they passed on the potential distraction of uh, Antonio Brown. Thank goodness they did not take uh, that deal and run with it, right? And Kirk Cousins. Oh, oh my goodness. I, I, I want to thank the Chicago Bears and, and the Vikings opponents in general for vindicating years of being a Kirk Cousins truther. I'll be honest. I just... I never saw it with him. Like, for can, can anyone really name one big game that Kirk Cousins has won? No, it's it. I, I posed the question rhetorically on Twitter. One guy responded to me. Shout out to you, Brian Joyce, in the off chance that you're listening. He responded. The first thing he came up with was the Outback Bowl against Georgia, and I'm not talking about the Falcons. I regret to inform the Vikings that. You know, the Outback Bowl is not an an uh, uh, officially sanctioned NFL game. So I'm very pleased. Um, you, you never want to relish in a guy's uh, misfortune. But at the same uh, – but I just got to say, I've been saying the truth about Cousins for years. And maybe it sparks from me being a bit of a uh, Tony Romo apologist because years I had to deal with the question, well, how many playoff games has he won? And meanwhile, Cousins got this massive deal without winning a single playoff game – or even even falling a couple times in the regular season. So it's just great to see that the Jets have avoided that situation entirely. I, I still have a list written down of the beat writers who were encouraging the Jets to sign Kirk Cousins. <laughs> and not, that list will not go away. I, I, just, I, I can't just, believe it. I used to get into arguments with people every day that spring. I just I cannot believe it that that was even an option. And McCagnan offered him the deal that he eventually said no to. And and the Jets are better off for it, let's face it. And you know what? It, if Kirk Cousins w- would have come to the Jets at the time, it would have just been Washington 2.0. Sure, he would have thrown for the you know, 300, 400 yards a game, maybe a touchdown or two. In, in essence, a good fantasy football quarterback, a great fantasy football quarterback. But at the same time, you know, the Jets did not have the other pieces to compete around him. And you need the pieces with Kirk Cousins to compete. And the Vikings actually had those pieces in Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen, guys like that. And they're still not winning ball games. So good on the Jets to avoid the Kirk Cousins distraction. And and you know it's good that they've worked with their own with their own homegrown mold of clay back there in Sam Darnold. So. Now, in terms of this, you know, Sam, look, enough has been said about the whole mono thing. Enough of, en- enough about it. it. Yeah, he he got sick, and it's a thing. People get sick. It happens. So the thing with Darnold, it's in – obviously, you, you must treat this uh, quote-unquote injury with the utmost delicacy, with the utmost respect. Uh, so I was mentioning on Twitter today, it was a writer at Newsday, Joe Maniello, and he mentioned – he raised a question. He said he might make a poll about it. About the Jets potentially resting Darnold the rest of the year if he can't get healthy. Now, if he can't get healthy, then obviously can't get fully healthy. Obviously, yeah, they should they should consider that and de- and definitely shut him down. But if he's healthy, why not play him? Because Darnold has made leaps and bounds of progress, undoubtedly. So, cr- but the process is not complete. You give him credit, but he feels like he's not fully formed. Hasn't reached the final stage. Of his evolution, and the best thing really that he could get could could get it's a bittersweet gift in what could very well end up being again a lost season, thirteen games of uninhibited, unconsequential, 
research and development. I think he could really benefit from that, don't you think? Yeah, it's completely ridiculous to pose the question if you should sit him out all year. Listen, if he's cleared, he plays. This is the the NFL. If he's cleared, he plays football, and then he gains experience. As long as the offensive line doesn't get him killed, decapitated, um, it's a no-brainer. You get him out there. He needs to play. I mean, that's... That's the bottom line. And Sam, of course, seems uh, very enthusiastic about his chances, about his uh, about about playing. He he's been he's been saying how this has always been the goal to come back. Time will only tell if he will be back on the field. But indications seem to be trending that he will play. The Jets releasing the other active quarterback on their roster, David Fails. They did bring someone to the practice squad, former Dallas Cowboys draft pick Mike White, but indications right now are trending toward Darnold playing. I think that'll do it for now on the Jets All the Way podcast. Rob, any final thoughts? Uh, no, just keep track of Darnold. I think Friday we'll find out. I think they'll, they were very secretive with the spleen information. So I think Friday they'll evaluate it to see if it's uh, good to go, and then we'll find out then. I mean, it, it, he could definitely not play. That's for sure. Um, and if he doesn't play, they re-sign fails or what was the kid's name? White on the practice Mike, squad? Mike White out of Western Kentucky. Yeah, they just signed him to the active squad. So we'll find out Friday. Go Hilltoppers. <laughs> but that'll do it for us here on the Jets All The Way podcast. Yeah, Mike White of the Dallas Cowboys. Formerly. Yep. And that'll do it for us here on the Jets All The Way podcast. I'm Jeff Maglicetti. He's Rob Sable. Remember, keep track of us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, ESNY Jets. And the end, stay tuned for the next episode of the Jets All The Way podcast. I'm Jeff. He's Rob. Good night, everybody.